It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. Well, that sucked. Not going to lie to you. That was a tough game to watch, but uh, yeah. That's the first game of the series for the Reds. A loss to the Cardinals, seven to four, in a game that at one point they were winning three to nothing. Just a tough night at the ballpark slash tough night watching the ball game on my television screen. I'm sure you feel the same way. Welcome into the Lockdown Reds podcast here for this Friday. Just wanted to kind of say that at first because I was going to recap the game and then the game sucked. But we have an awesome conversation here with Drew Cook from the Blog Red Machine. Had a great time with Drew. Got into a lot of stuff coming up for the trade deadline and looking forward to the rest of the season. And before we start that interview... Just wanted to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on all the major podcasting platforms. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And then give us a call on the Lockdown Reds line with questions, comments, you want to rant, whatever you got. 513-549-0159. And now, without further ado, here's my talk with Drew Cook. For today's phone in Friday, we've got Drew Cook, the man in charge of the Blog Red Machine. He's back for more to talk some Reds baseball with us here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Drew, how is life treating you, man? Life's good, man. Life's good, Jeff. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. I'd, I'd have to say I'm doing a little bit better than uh, Joey Votto's batting average has been here yeah. lately, but... We won't hate too much on the man. I love Joey Votto. I just no, uh, no. J- J- Joey's the man. We gotta, we gotta take it somewhat easy on him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's earned he's earned the easiness from That's his right. fans. I mean, as much as I like to say, boy, I'm worried about him. I just, you know, it's it's one of those things. But uh, we just uh, we're actually recording here. This is a Wednesday night, right after 
the Reds fell two out of three to the Cubs. Drew, whoa, what's your first feelings right now about our wonderful Red Legs? You know, I, I think a lot of people worry about the offense, and we've been worried about the offense all season long. It's been up and down and up and down, and they seem to get a couple good games and then a couple bad games. But honestly, the thing that sticks out to me the most, and I don't want to pick on them because the ERA is fantastic, but it's the bullpen. Um, I, I, I'm honestly more concerned of anything else about the bullpen, and I say that because I feel like there's not enough reliable arms in the bullpen going forward. No, I, I'm with you, and, and the biggest problem is something that can be rectified, but it just takes time, and that is health. And it's funny because the Reds as a whole have been a healthy unit, but the one thing that has plagued them the most is the health of their left-handed relievers. All of them are on the shelf right now. I mean, well, they just got Wandy Peralta back, but, you know, Amir Garrett's on the shelf. Hopefully we see him this weekend. Uh, Cody Reed's on the shelf. Just, and, and, well, Zach Duke was on the shelf whenever he got here, so <laughs> I'm okay with the fact that he's not in the picture anymore. But is that something, and, and, and we'll talk about this more at length here in a few, but is that something that you see the Reds looking at in a trade? Like maybe even, and I know we've dreaded the R word, but maybe even a rental lefty just to get them to the end of the year? You know, I, I think they have to entertain the idea of it because – you know, I think we've seen how much they've relied on Amir Garrett night in and night out when he is healthy. He's he's obviously their go-to lefty, and with good reason. I mean, he's carrying like a 1.70 ERA. Right. But, you know, you can only ride that horse so far before he's going to, you know, come up short. And I think they thought Zach Duke was going to be that guy. Obviously, he's not. Like you said, Cody Reed's on the shelf with that knee injury. Who knows when he's going to get back. And Peralta's just, he's hes an unreliable, he, he's hes very mysterious about what you're going to get. You know, night in, night out, I don't have that feeling as though you're going to have a consistent, uh, you know, performance from him. So I guess to answer your question about getting a rental lefty, it depends to me on A, what you give up to get him, and B, what's your expectation on are you wanting to get a rental for this year and only this year? Or are you wanting to buy low and possibly re-sign said lefty in the offseason? Um, and how serious are you about it? I, th- I think a rental lefty goes a long way if you add more pieces uh, along with it. But I-, I wouldn't say just to pick one up for the sake of grabbing one. It could be an interesting thing, and I just this is just off the top of my head here, but it could be an interesting deal. I'm not sure what it would take to get them, but they could have another kind of piece together deal with the giants instead of you know the 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 rivals of the dodgers where they piece together the deal bringing puig wood and farmer and now they could do a deal where they bring in maybe watson and maybe brandon belt or something like that i don't know where brandon belt would fit up in the lineup but you're right like it would be a little strange if the entire trade revolved around a short-term left-handed reliever. So I'm with you there, but definitely uh, something to watch moving forward. I know that the the big news just went across the wire a few hours ago that the Reds had acquired Justin Grimm. (laughs) So the bullpen, it's short up, folks. It's fine. 
We're, we're good, good now, right? We're good. We're good. In fact, I mean, they had to give up so much for him that they traded a guy named Cash Considerations to the Dodgers. <laughs> and, uh, but no, <laughs> in all seriousness, no, that's that's definitely something moving forward because, and even on the right-handed side, we look at what you talked about overuse with Amir Garrett. I think overuse with David Hernandez is caught up with him because yeah 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 <laughs> David Hernandez. I, I mean, I, I, honestly, it's reached the point with me with with Hernandez where it's I, I'm not so much angry with his performance night in and night. The, the guy's just you can just tell he's spent. It's almost as though I don't want to say he's pitching scared, but it looks to me like he's pitching with no confidence in his fastball. Obviously, you know, he hung a breaking pitch up there against the Cubs that, uh, you know, put another two runs on the board on Wednesday night. And I, I just he's he's one of those guys to me that right now, unless unless you're up by seven or down by seven, I don't want to see him in the game. You know, and it's and it's I think it's just it's overuse has finally caught up with him. And, uh, you know, when when Jimmy Hergett's sitting there has had like, you know, two thirds of an inning work and. Not saying that, you know, with what, what's he carrying? His ERA is ridiculous right now after what he gave up the other day. I'm not saying you should rely on these guys, but you can't just have a guy sitting in the bullpen just taking up space. If you're going to have him in there and you're going to use him the way that David Bell and the crew are using them, you have to put them in the game. They have to find times to get them in the game. But they've just had so many close games that and so many high-leverage situations. I think David Bell's trust in some of these guys is just waning. So... Um, it's hard to find a reliever that he seems to have a good amount of trust in. It's kind of funny because it felt like the first month and a half of the season, David Bell was really looking for that one guy that he could place his trust in. And then he found him and then he rode him into the dirt. I almost wonder mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe they could send, um, maybe they could send Hernandez down to Daytona and say, look, you don't have to pitch. Just go sit on the beach for like 10 days. And then, <laughs> then we'll, bring, we'll bring you back up and we'll see how you're doing that. Like, yeah. He, he just, he just needs a break. I, I mean, it's it, night in night out. He's at, at his age and the way they're utilizing him. I just don't know that he's reliable right now because like you said, I think he, he enjoyed what he had with him there for a little while and, I mean, early in the season, Hernandez was doing well, and then it just—it's—he's just hit a cliff, and I don't know that how easily it's going to be for him to get back up to the top. I, I'm with you because just every every time he comes out there, you, you you cringe, and it sucks because not even a month ago he was coming out and striking out the side, and we were like, boy, we are so glad we've got David Hernandez, and now it's to the point where. Whenever he's brought out of the bullpen, Twitter just collectively groans and sometimes worse. And <laughs> you're just like, oh, here we go. But that being said, so the Reds drop two out of three from the Cubs. And there's a lot of people that are declaring that the sky is falling. Is the sky falling? See, I'm 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 the eternal optimist, Jeff. So I'm I'm gonna always stick to looking at the side most of the time David Hernandez aside I'll look to the positive side most of the time <laughs> but um you know if if you're looking it depends I guess on what you're asking for I mean do we expect the Reds to make a playoff run I think it's there but they you know we I think after the all-star break we all saw 10 you know 10 games against NL Central opponents in 10 days they have to finish above 500 in those 10 games so they're behind the eight ball right now having lost two you know 
two or three to the Cubs. Um, you know, I think they got to take three or four from the Cardinals and probably take two or three from the Brewers, and then they're right back in it. But it's going to take some work, and the bats have got to heat up in order to get that done. I'm intrigued by this Cardinals series because the Cardinals themselves come in, and they're not you know, blazing hot by any stretch, but they are a part of this wonderful NL Central that does not seem to know what it wants to do. And the Reds are going to get their best three punches when it comes to their rotation. And it's funny because I just got done talking to the guy who does the Locked On Cardinals podcast. We previewed the series and he was lamenting their starting rotation. Now, I think he's he's able to hearken back to days when they had Chris Carpenter holding things down and comparing that. But at the same time, if you look at the numbers of the guys coming up, and, and by the time this posts, we will have known what the Reds did with Dakota Hudson on Thursday. But then you've got Wainwright on Friday and Michaelis on Saturday, who has had the Reds number ever since he became a Cardinal. Is this a series where you could see the lineup maybe showing signs like guys like Scooter who we've just been waiting for ever since he came back. I mean, I I think he's batting like a buck 50 with an OPS of like 350. Like, is this the kind of weekend you see them get going or do we think this is going to be another four games kind of like it was with Chicago where it's just, we're hanging on every pitch because we can't seem to get more than three or four runs. Well, they're they're back at Great American, and they have a, you know at least a winning record there. I think they're twenty four and twenty one at, at home, uh, so that bodes well for them. Um, you know, I, you you mentioned Scooter. I I think he's the one who has to get going. Uh, I'll give you another one, and that that's Jesse Winker. Winker's yeah. just been he just you know he's just been that kind of player that you've been searching for all season for him to step up and make that leap. And there was a small period, I believe it was back in May, when he had you know several big games in a row. But I just keep waiting on Winker to to make that push, um, and I just I just haven't seen it from him. So I think you know with uh, him, I think Scooter's another one, and obviously I th- I think we you know the the Reds need Votto to be Joey Votto. I, th- I think if you can get those three bats going in the right direction, we've seen what Puig can do. We've seen what Suarez can do. Uh, I think everybody should be tickled at how well uh, Peraz has played of late with the bat. And, um, you know, Senzel has been solid, too. So I, I think it boils down to, to you know, your three lefties, Votto, Winker, and, uh, and Scooter. Those three got to get going. This episode of the Locked on Reds podcast is brought to you by Postmates. To start your free delivery for a limited time, download the app and use promo code LOCKEDON. Next time you need something, post made it. You got a hankering for a Philly cheesesteak? Post made it. You got a hankering for some Chipotle? Post made it. I did that, and they delivered it to me right as the first pitch was happening for the Reds game. It's very easy. All you got to do, download the Postmates app. Enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. They're going to give you $100 in free deliveries for your first seven days that meant and i know we don't like to talk about money but that meant that my chipotle for me to not do anything but lay on my couch cost me eight dollars today totally worth it post made it download the app promo code locked on for a hundred dollars in delivery fees for your first seven days 
Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use promo code Locked On today. That's a good mention of Winker because it seemed like early on in the season he was poised to kind of stand up as one of the team's leaders and then he just kind of didn't really pick up from there like right now he's batting 250 he's got an OPS plus of 101 so he's right at league average and that's pretty much the MO for the entire ball club now I know that Puig has been just going nuts I know Chad Dotson posted something that I forget what the date was, but there's like a a stretch of a little over a month where he has been the absolute best hitter in baseball. And that is awesome in and of itself. But they need more guys besides just Puig to get going. And I'm with you. If if Joey is sitting at the end of the season with an on-base percentage of 350, then the Reds are no better than 500 and most likely below 500. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on that one. And, you know, just to touch on Winker one more time, if if, if he can't get it moving, I mean, Philip Irvin has is, is been nothing but solid lately. And I, I think we're all waiting for Winker to, to get moving. But if he can't get it going, you got to ride the hot bat. And, and Philip Irvin is swinging a really hot bat right now. I got a hard no from C. Trent Rosecrans. Whenever I asked him the question, does – has – have the Reds created a platoon in left field with Jesse Winker and Phil Irvin or Jesse Winker and insert right-handed bat here? And he gave me a hard no. But I just I haven't seen any evidence that they have. It seems like it is a full-on platoon right now. And do you think that Jesse Winker can break that? Or are they even going to give him the chance to? You know, I, I think... I think this is probably a longer-term issue for them than just this season. If if, if you're asking me long-term, I, I I find it questionable whether or not the Reds hang on to Yasiel Puig, and then I you know you got a lot of different things that can happen in the corner outfields. So I, I don't know if if Winker is able to shed that platoon this season, um, especially if you know as good as Irvin's been hitting left-handed pitching. I just don't see how you can sit him on the bench and you know, they're not going to keep Puig on the bench. So anytime there's a left hander on the mound, you can almost bank on Irvin and Puig being in your corner outfield. Right. And, um, you know, Winker just has not been solid against left-handed pitching, but to be fair, he also hasn't had as many opportunities to prove that he can hit left-handed pitching. So until he gets those opportunities, I don't know how fair it is to say that he's going to be anything but a platoon player. So, to dance around your question, that's kind of where I would sit with both of them right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel you there. And y- you mentioned the likelihood of the Reds keeping Puig. We are entering. It it almost seems like over an over dramatization to say it this way, but even with all of the hope that surrounded Reds country coming into this season, we mostly understood that a wild card berth or some sort of playoff run was the absolute tip-top ceiling of our expectations. And we were more thinking, if the Reds can just make it around 500 this year, we will think it's great. So with that being said, 
the Christmas of this baseball season is the trade deadline. And to see exactly what presents the Reds bring in and what we're going to be opening up on Christmas morning is kind of been the biggest anticipation, at least for folks I think that had realistic expectations. And with that being said, who is who is somebody you've had your eye on when you look around the league? I know that there's not a ton of teams that you would deem as sellers right now, but who's a guy that you've had tab, maybe a guy or two uh, that you could see the Reds going after? Well, you, you mentioned Watson earlier from the Giants. I'll, I'll give you two others from the Giants because I think that obviously they're selling at this point in time. They're sitting, you know, three games below 500 and the Dodgers are running away with the West. So I think we could all agree that the, you know, plus they're looking to get rid of Bumgarner and, uh, you know, all bets are off for what they're going to do. But I love uh, Sam Dyson, the relief pitcher there. I believe he's got two years of control left. Okay. Great ground ball rate. I think it's about 55-plus percent. Would play fantastic in Great American Ballpark. Nice. Um, I don't know how much the Reds would have to get up to get him, uh, give up to get him. But the guy that I really like, uh, that I'd love to see them go after, another relief pitcher for them is Reyes Maranta. Um Big, right-handed, hard thrower, and I think uh, Iglesias's outlook for uh, Rysel Iglesias's outlook for the team going forward is probably shaky at best. And Maranta's a hard thrower, future closer in the making. I don't think he becomes a free agent until after the 2023 season. So if I'm looking at a, at a big at a big guy, big name that could be very productive this year and then beyond. Um, those would be two. I'd be looking at both the Giants relievers because I think in anything outside of a player that's outside of the Reds' control beyond 2020, I don't know that they're going to give up much to get that player. No, and, and, and they really shouldn't because rental guys are for teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees who are like, hey, we can just plug you into a little bit of a hole that we've got and we can make a deep run with you and then we can send you on your way. With a team like the Reds that I've made this statement and James made this statement last year on the podcast that the Reds are really setting the table. If you think about, you know, if you make a really dumb analogy with baseball, you think of it like a Thanksgiving table. This is the year that they're getting it set and next year's when they're serving dinner. That's the way that they've got to approach it. And if they're going to bring somebody to the table that's not going to be here next year, then that's... To, there's, there's some questions to be asked, like how much are they giving up and what's the purpose of having him? Because then you hearken back to Matt Harvey. Like, why yep. did they keep him last year? Like, they, they could have given any to other people, but we're not going to bring that subject back up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that sort of thought process, because I'm with you there. A, a rental guy just doesn't make sense. And I, I think of guys, and, and some of the guys that I look at, it's funny because I almost approach it. I look at names and I'm just like, okay, yeah, he makes sense. He makes sense. And then I get to the guys and I'm like, all right, this is a fringe guy, but my goodness, how good would this look? And I'm thinking of like Whit Merrifield. And I don't think that the Royals are even looking to deal him, especially now that Adelberto Mondesi, and I know I just killed that name. You did. You got that great, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll take that. No, I'm, I'm putting that down on my resume. Uh, <laughs> but I know with him going down, they're, they're probably not even entertaining the idea of trading Whit Merrifield, but he's the kind of guy, a couple of years of control. He's not necessarily 25 years old anymore, but solid at the plate. 
and I don't think it would take a ton to get him should the Royals decide they want to sell him. But I start getting into guys like that, and then I'm like, okay, realistically, who knows if this is even a possibility. Right. I, I know you've been high on them going after Merrifield, and I'm right there with you on that one because, you know, again, I think you got to – you're looking short term and long term. What's Scooter Jeanette's future with the team? You know, Dietrich can play and pl- plug and play at second, but you know how how long is he going to be with the team? So Merrifield, like you said, he's under team control for a long time. You know, all things relative, I think he's he's owning a, a great batting average right now of about you know three ten, three eleven, and. I'm with you. I don't think you'd have to give up the farm to get him. And with the Reds having a, a decent farm system, I look at a lot of the outfielders that they have in their farm system right now. And obviously Doug Gray could probably speak to this a whole lot more than I could. But when you have such a perceived depth at, at your outfield position, your minor league system, not all these guys are going to play. And we've already seen that the Reds have two to three to four outfielders that can play at the major league level. So they've obviously obviously got some chips that they can play around with when the trade deadline comes, and that would be one that I would look at more than anything is their outfield depth, just based on the the players that they currently have in their minor league system. Well, that's all right. And then um, another thought too, and this is a question that over the last five years, it's almost as if Reds fans are triggered to have a negative response to things like this. But who do you see going? And most likely it's a guy with an expiring contract because the Reds are not in a position where they need to get rid of core players to rebuild the farm system. But with these expiring contracts, not all of these guys are going to be Reds next year. Do you see any of them being traded? And who do you think that's going to be? Well, I I could be wrong, but if, if I'm not mistaken, if they offer qualifying offers to... I think it's Puig and Wood, at least, they can possibly get draft compensation if those aren't signed. So, um, And I, I see it hard for the Reds to move off of Puig. I, I don't see them moving beyond Puig. I think that Yasiel Puig will finish the season with the Reds. Beyond that, I don't know what we're going to see, but I think I feel pretty confident in saying that he'll be with the Reds past July 31st. The one player on an expiring deal that I honestly think the Reds might look to trade, and I've loved what he's done this year, is... Um, uh, Jose Iglesias. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many teams will be looking for a shortstop, uh, but his glove is phenomenal. He's he's hit fantastically this season. He's very inexpensive. The Reds probably don't need to ask a lot for him, and I still think there's a good chance that Cincinnati's going to move forward next season with Jose Peraza as their starting shortstop. So I would go with Jose Iglesias. I have seen the points that have been in favor for Peraza being the starting shortstop, and I know you've made some on Twitter um, regarding that, and that when you've got a shortstop, you're not necessarily looking for a hitter that's going to break the bank and carry the team. You're just looking for a pretty solid hitter, and Jose Peraza is the definition of a pretty solid hitter. There's no pitcher that is afraid of Jose Peraza, but he's going to get you some hits in some good situations. Like, I mean, today he had a couple of doubles against the, or he, I know he had the one double against the Cubs late in the game that really had a late inning rally going. And that's the type of thing that I can see Jose Peraza doing. You plug him in at the bottom of the lineup and you don't worry about him. I know people like to harp on his uh, plate discipline, but that's just not something that's ever going to change. Like, just 
put it in your minds right now, people. The chances of him becoming a very, very patient hitter are very, very slim. Absolutely. And he, he had so many other variables to the team as well. And, and look, I, I would love nothing more than to see the Reds sign Iglesias to a two or three year deal, provided it's, you know, you're not breaking the bank to get it. Because a guy like Peraza, you can plug him in at left field, center field, second base, shortstop. He's got a lot of versatility. He's got a lot of speed. I guess it depends on what the Reds are looking for with him, whether they see him as that super utility player or if they really see him as a future shortstop. And he's only 25 years old. He's younger than Winker. He's younger than Irvin. Uh, you know, other key pieces, young key pieces to the Reds. Um, I, I don't think they're ready to give up on him as as a possible shortstop of the future for that team. I just can't see him giving up on him yet. Were it not for one Nicholas Sinzel, he would be the youngest player on the ball club. Would that, That's right. Well, hey, Drew, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. I know uh got to let you go. I, I think I heard that you're going to try out for a catcher as the Reds are looking <laughs> for one. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, thanks so much, man. Uh, what do you got going on over at the Blog Red Machine? You know, I think uh, Alex Wood was doing his uh, rehab start. That last I checked, there was a rain delay in there, so I don't know how much, how much he's going to get. But we're going to take a peek at him uh, going forward, um, especially if he's going to get a rotation piece. You know, who, who goes down if he's going to be part of the rotation? And uh, we're going to look at some trade scenarios, obviously, as um, you know, the trade deadline's quickly approaching. It's not that far away. Reds country is blessed with just a lot of eyes watching games and giving a whole lot of great content. Blog Red Machine is definitely a great place to go to check out your Reds content. Drew, I appreciate you having it on. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir, Jeff. Have a good one. That's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Reds podcast for this week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to the show. If you have not already done so, hit that little subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya podcasting app, and I'm sure there's other podcasting apps with which you can find us. Also, check us out on Twitter at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And make sure the Lockdown Reds line is in your phone 513 549 0159. Remember our questions for this weekend. They're going to carry on over to next week. We'll play a couple of calls and all that good stuff. We'll see you on Monday for the Lockdown Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. Go Reds. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.